produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahe. And I'm Yasmin Amr. Andrea, do you remember what it's like to have people over back in the good old days (laughs) pre-March? Yes, and I miss it. I miss it so much. I just love to have people at my house. You know that I'm a people person. I love being around my friends. So this has been really hard. I know. I, I really do, too. I love large gatherings. But ironically, in this time of distance, it was actually a really good time for me to reflect on gatherings. The ones I really miss, the ones I definitely don't, and the ones I'd like to have one day. And that's how I came across Priya Parker and her 2019 TED Talk. So I began to wonder how we might change our everyday gatherings to focus on making meaning by human connection, not obsessing with the canapes. And I want to share with you some of what I learned today about the new rules of gathering. So when most people plan a gathering, they start Priya with Parker an is the author of The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. She's trained in conflict resolution and spent a lot of her career planning some really high-stakes gatherings, like for dignitaries, Arab and European leaders who wanted to have a meaningful conversation on democracy, and big companies who were looking to make drastic changes. But that also got her thinking about people like us, just the normies, you know, who are tired of having awkward parties or work meetings that never seem to get us anywhere. I know we have both been there. We have probably all been there. So we invited Priya to share with us some advice on how we can make our gatherings more meaningful. The biggest mistake we make when we gather, and this is true before COVID and it's true now as we're trying to figure out how to online gather, is we assume that the purpose is obvious. That the reason that we're gathering, a birthday party is to celebrate a birthday or a wedding is to get married. These forms take over our need to actually first say, why are we doing this in the first place? And when you don't actually first just ask, why are we doing this? Gatherings tend to be either irrelevant or boring or just repetitive. Mm. So purpose really seems to be the key word here. Now, would you argue that every single gathering should have a purpose? Like, what if you just want to have a dinner party or grill because it's nice outside? What do you think? I think every gathering has a purpose, whether you like it or not. I'm just saying you should define it, because if not, it'll be defined for you. <laughs> so you can you can back into a purpose, and a purpose need not be serious. A purpose can be fun. Okay, you want to have a barbecue, who do you invite, right? We tend to back into purpose through other questions. So when you actually start planning out an event, you back into who what the purpose is, often through the guest list. Ah, the guest list. Many of us feel that guilt when we're trying to write it out. It's like, if I invite this person, I got to invite that person. But Priya says it's okay to be exclusive sometimes, again, depending on your purpose. She shared one example of when a friend planned a so-called quitting party. That friend felt stuck at her job, but she was terrified to leave. Then she decided to gather a very specific group of eight friends. And this is what she told them. You each represent people who uh, who take risks and who march to a different beat and who don't share my fears. 
And that was important because part of the reason she didn't quit was because either people in her firm or her parents who were risk averse or other people in her life were saying, are you sure? Are you sure you want to leave now? Right? Like fear, fear is contagious and courage is contagious. And so she invited a very select group of people in her life for that moment because that was the need that she had. And she asked each of us to, to bring one piece of, of, of literature or art that has always helped us when we've made decisions that went against the grain or that we were scared to make. Gatherings are a form of power. All I'm saying is rather than, than just be on autopilot, you can actually begin to shape the way you bring people together to achieve an individual or a collective purpose that gives meaning to everybody and pushes our lives forward. So when you're hosting a gathering, you have the power to shape the way your guests interact, which leads us to another very important tip from Priya. Don't be a chill host. I think that this idea of, of chill, like just leave people to be, you know, everything's great, you're okay, I'm chill, you're chill, we're all chill, <laughs> it leads us to actually under-hosting our guests. And what I mean by that is if you leave your guests alone, you're not actually leaving them alone. You're leaving them to each other, right? If, if somebody gets cornered, you know, by a uncle that they don't want to talk to for, you know, many, many hours or at a volunteer training of, you know, one specific volunteer keeps asking irrelevant questions and the host doesn't actually stop and pause and say, that's not all right. If you, you, you know, in every group, there are group dynamics. And if you as the host don't actually orient people around why they're coming together, who they are, you, you connect them in a specific way, they will still interact with each other, but you're leaving them to their own devices. Yasmin, I am so glad that she said all that. <laughs> I <Yes>. am thrilled by <laughs> Absolutely. It. Our type A's, yes. You know, you say, say you're planning a gathering. So you know the purpose of your gathering. You have an idea of who you want to be there. Next comes the invite, and that's where you want to set a tone and expectations. You're not actually hosting people from the moment they walk in the door. You're hosting them from the moment that they receive you know, a text message or an, an invitation to this thing. So for example, uh, give your invitation and give your gathering a name. And names are social contracts. And what I mean by that is if you call something a show versus a workshop, versus a hootenanny, versus a barn raising, those are all very different assumptions of the role of the guest, right? If it's a show, you're, 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 in, you're in selling them, like, sit back, relax, and, you know, you're, you're just going to be watching. If it's a hootenanny, we're expecting you to get involved, right? You're, bring your instruments. So, so a lot of the craft of gathering is to tell your guests in advance, like, what is this thing? How do we want it to go? And, and also, are you game? And if you're not game, it's okay. Up next, the coronavirus pandemic has completely changed the way we gather. But our need for human connection, it's still as present as ever. Welcome back to Kind World. We're talking to Priya Parker. She's an expert on how we can create more meaningful gatherings. And she wrote the book, The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. Early this year, Priya was finalizing a podcast in collaboration with the New York Times, and it was all about gatherings. And then, well, you know, 
As it has been virtually every night since February, our lead story tonight is the coronavirus outbreak. The headlines only grow more worrisome. The move called mandatory social distancing would ban gatherings. Yeah, every headline had the word gathering in it, and, and, the, and, the, and the headlines were the world is ungathering, right? Gatherings now illegal, gatherings of 10 or more people banned. And we had a, we had a podcast that had, was in production, pre-production, but, but hadn't launched yet, and it was called Gathering with Priya Parker. And um, a, a producer, you know, I remember texted me and said, you know, this now sounds like a horror film. And so many of the questions were still at the center of what, what, I, what I am interested in, which is how do we come together despite obstacles to meaningfully connect around a relevant need? And so I wrote my producers and I said, I think that our questions and our lens is still relevant. We're just not going to produce the show we thought we were going to produce. In a matter of two weeks, she had a new show called Together Apart. After all, people still have birthdays, conferences, baby showers, and they can still be meaningful, even during COVID. One of my favorite examples from Together Apart was planning a virtual wedding for a couple named Rob and Dan, who canceled their spring wedding in New Orleans. I promise to let you sleep in, (laughs) and every so often to do the same. More importantly, I commit to embracing all of you and honoring the things that make you who you are. I promise to deeply The couple took their vows with their efficient, but doing so on Zoom with everyone watching, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it was enough. And with a little more reflection, they discovered why. Rob and Dan didn't want to have a wedding that was all about them. The real purpose of their wedding was to bring people from all different parts of their lives together in the same room. It's a beautiful reason to have a wedding and key to what they decided to do next. They invited their guests to a virtual reception. We're all here. We made it. Uh, Hi, everyone. Hi, Emily. It's nice to meet you. I'm Marsha. The reception, quote unquote, they did it in eight parts. And they invited their friends instead to join one of eight themed uh, cocktail hours. Every evening, over the course of eight weeks, you sign up in a Google Doc. They encourage their friends if they saw names they knew in 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 one of the dates to choose a different one. And every theme was based on a theme in their marriage that they wanted support on. So adventure, forgiveness, love, tradition. And each theme, each dinner, you signed up for one that that spoke to you and you brought a piece of advice or a story or a song or a joke. There's one on laughter. And they had a meaningful conversation that was not just random or, or saying, hey, cheers, 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 but up the ante so that people had a meaningful way to connect with each other around a purpose. And the purpose was creating a bond around these two men's relationship by actually talking about what's real. I haven't seen, I'm just going to say, I haven't seen Emily's face in way too long. I There's no doubt that things are going to be different for a long time. And as you've probably already seen, We have different comfort levels when it comes to how we gather right now. So I asked Priya, how can we be mindful of that and show compassion toward each other as we learn to navigate this new reality? I think one way to actually begin to have kindness and empathy for each other is before, you know, whether you're hosting a 
pool party or a town hall or you're debating whether to you know, meet again with grandparents, to have a conscious conversation that is that is first asking for yourself you know, every two weeks, what, what level of comfort do I currently have in order of how am I going to, you know, if I get an invitation, what are the terms that I need to feel safe to be able to participate? Is it six feet apart? Is it masks? Is it a social mapping of who's been in quarantine and who hasn't? The second layer is with the people that I'm quarantining with, what is our collective comfort? And how do we center the person who's least comfortable? And then the third is when invitations come for future gatherings to have conscious open relation, uh, conversations and to then not judge each other's choices, but to allow care and compassion for however people need to navigate in this time and to find ways to connect with each other, even if it wasn't the original activity intended. And that's what it all comes down to. Meaningful connection. And yes, it is possible to make that the heart of any gathering, whether in person or virtual. If you've got questions or want to share some interesting stories about how you're gathering right now, get in touch with Priya. We'll have a link to our page on our website, wbur.org slash kindworld. She's also on Instagram at Priya. P-R-I-Y-A, Parker. Thanks for listening to Kind World this week. Our show is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. And I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. We'll be back with a new episode of Kind World next Tuesday. But on Friday, we'll have another classic Kind World episode in your feed. Just a little extra dose of kindness to start your weekend off right. Take care. Have a great week.